And hello, and welcome to the Introverted Female Entrepreneur Podcast. My name is Denise Lee, and we talk about improving your mindset and your profits. So we all know that protecting ourselves is like a no-brainer. We, we need to protect ourselves. Obviously, we put on lotion to keep our skin uh, soft, and we wear clothes, obviously protect ourselves from elements. But Sometimes we forget about our business needs protecting. And today I'm really excited to talk with Megan Frank from Politori Law Firm. And we're going to talk about how to protect your intellectual property, how to protect yourself from lawsuits, and just any other paperwork that you may have not even considered that you needed. So we're going to be talking about all of that after this short break. Hi, Megan. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you. So we got a good little teaser of everything that we're going to talk about. So before we launch into any of this, I've got to ask you a question. Why in the world did you decide to specialize in small business law? I decided to specialize in the small businesses and startups with entrepreneurs. I am a military spouse and mom of four. So I have been moving around the U.S. and the world for the last 11, 12 years. And as a result, there are a lot of women and spouses in the military community who started businesses, who have a very entrepreneurial spirit because we can move with our business. So it is a great niche to be in to be able to help people who are willing and wanting to create a business, to create independence and a life for themselves while they move around the United States to support their spouse throughout the military careers. So that's how I initially got started in it. I love the fact that you made a personal tie to it and not just be like, I just want to make money. (laughs) Right? Yeah. For me, it's never been about money. I initially entered the practice of law with more of an altruistic, bleeding heart. I wanted to help those who couldn't help themselves. And I started with an interest more in the bankruptcy sector to help people who were in a bad time. And over time, that progressed. And I took a step back for a few years as we were living overseas. And when I decided to re-enter the law, our law practice, I entered with this firm, which is a cloud-based firm, and we are in multi-states now, as a way to give back and help other people again, and similar people who have had the same experiences, that they're wanting something for themselves. They're wanting to help provide, and starting a business is a wonderful opportunity to do that. And we'll definitely make sure before the end of this talk um, to share how people can learn more about you and the firm. But let's, we've got a lot of things to cover, so let's get straight into it. So let's first talk about intellectual property. So for those who are new to business or have no idea what I'm talking about, can you break down what intellectual property is? So intellectual property will encompass, it's a vast topic. So that will include subjects as in your patents, which is going to be processes and designs for for items. You'll see where it's patent pending, which means that has been filed with the patent office. It's pending. Once a patent is filed, it's on record for a number of years, and people can go look that up. The other topics are trademarks. That's your brand, your logo, the name of your business. That's intellectual property. 
So is copyright, um, digital downloads, digital eBooks, courses that content creators, especially in the digital age, that is all copyright. That is also intellectual property. So those are an overview of the different types of intellectual property that, that we have as business owners, especially in the digital world. Why do you feel like a lot of new business owners, especially women entrepreneurs, don't feel the need to protect their property? I think sometimes it comes to not knowing what they need to protect and not understanding what the protection will do for them. If they trademark or they file a copyright, that will give them rights to to sue if somebody tries to steal or copy their works that have been copyrighted and trademarked. So a lot of it's just not knowing. A lot of it's fear. It is expensive. It is not cheap to go and trademark. But as we try to tell a young startup company, those are costs that you need to balance and you need to budget for because it's a lot cheaper to do the trademark than it is to come back and fight if somebody infringes on it or if you infringe on somebody else's because you didn't take the time to look. Hmm. Hmm. And, and for those of us who are just completely ignorant, like I'm just going to throw out some numbers and you're going to tell me, yes, I agree with you or Denise, no, this is what it really is in terms of cost. So like, so let's, for example, we're going to trademark our logo for about a thousand dollars, right? But but okay. but if we're trying to fight in court to protect it, right? Would it could we be saving like up to five thousand dollars in terms of legal fees? Like what? I just want to give a perspective for people to say like, well, it may cost you a thousand dollars, but you're really saving five thousand or whatever amount of money um, in terms of legal fees down the line. Yeah, you'll be saving yourself a lot more than that in legal fees. So if you take the time to trademark your logo, your brand, your, your name of your company, whatever you decide will be based on what you and your attorney decide will be best for your company to, to trademark. You will now have the right to enforce that trademark. So if you see somebody in the same services, same goods, using your, tr- your trademarked logo, your trademarked name, you are now able to send cease and desist letters to them, asking them to stop. If they don't, now you're able to sue and you'll be able to get compensation for that as well as your attorney's fees back. So you're talking thousands and thousands of dollars versus just the $275 filing fee and around $1,000 for the attorney to do all the work to get the trademark filed. And those trademark filing fees are varied, as is the attorney's fees. It depends on the complexity of your trademark and how much is involved with that particular trademark. Hmm. So it, it all really just depends on um, your business. It, yes, it really depends. There will be, each business will be a little bit different in how and what they need trademarked. So it is a case by case basis. If the filing fees are the same for, for each trademark, but you have to come up with a strategy and a plan. Do you want the company name trademark? Is it more of a logo you need trademarked? Do you need a combination or are you in multiple goods and services? Each good and service is an individual trademark. So that means an additional filing fee. Um, so it really becomes a strategy base as a, to what is best 
for your company. Those are good points, Megan. Now, with a lot of my new clients who start off in business, they may think, my goodness, I'm already, you know, spending a lot of money, money already, you know, with you. (laughs) And I now I got to trade my my property. So my uh, question for you is like, how would you kind of talk about a strategy in terms of if above all else, we need to patent this or trademark this? Like, what do you feel like is the number one thing they need to do in terms of protecting their intellectual property? Um, I feel that, so if they have some unique idea, some unique process, something that is new out there as far as like a product or a way of doing something, that would be what you would look for a patent and they would need a patent attorney, somebody who is a licensed patent attorney. And that, that is not in my realm. That is actually my partner's realm. She's a, our licensed patent attorney and she deals with that. And as far as that's concerned, you would really want to investigate that because that's going to give you the exclusive rights. So pharmaceuticals is a good example. You have the patented, you know, medicine And that company has the exclusive right to use it as long as the patent is good. Once the patent expires, that's when you start getting our generic brands. Because when you patent an item, that information is made public, but nobody else can use it till the patent expires. So you are giving yourself then the exclusive right to that. As far as trademarking and copywriting, everybody has a common law right to to copyright. That's that C in a circle which you want to put on your websites and you want to put on your digital downloads and your eBooks and your, your courses. Since a lot of our entrepreneurs are doing web-based services and there's so many digital downloads and a lot of influencers, you want your, your work, which is copyrights or your authorship, your music, the written word is what a copyright is. You want that protected, and everybody has a common law right to that. So you can put that C with the circle, your name, the year, and all rights reserved on the bottom of your documents, on the bottom of your website, and you are putting the public on notice that, hey, this is my work. This is the original work that I created. Don't steal it. So Hmm. everybody has that right. And that is one of the the quickest, safest ways to protect the work that you've created. Now, you can go and register that with the copyright office. It's about $25. This one, everybody can do on their own. And that puts it as a registered copyright, which if you find that somebody completely copied your digital course and is using it word for word identically, you now have the legal grounds to, to go after them when it's registered. And you can get more compensation when it's registered. But everybody does have a common law right to their copyright. So we, just, we tell everybody, please put that at the bottom of your website. You put it at the bottom of your downloads. Protect your documents. Because if you don't have it, it will be harder to prove that it was your original work. And so this is just the way to put everybody on notice. Um, with the trademarks, yes, for startups, they do say that. And, and I have had clients that say the same thing. I've got to budget. Do I want to spend it on this? Do I want to spend it on my formation of my company? Do I want to spend it on my trademark? 
you want to trademark your item. There's two different ways that it can be trademarked. You can do an intent to use trademark, which is saying your good or your service is not yet in the public domain. So you haven't started selling it, but you intend to sell it within the first, within six months, you can get an extension, but you're saying, I intend to use this with this good or this service. The second trademark is you've already started selling your item. And now your trademark's in the public domain. People are seeing it. You're advertising it. Now we can go ahead and file a trademark. And when we work with small companies and entrepreneurs, what we do is we sit down and we just we talk about when, when are you launching? What is your plan for your company? How are you going to get your goods and services out to the public? And then we develop the strategy when it's time to file your trademark. Do we need to go ahead and file it now because you're already selling products and you want to keep it protected? Or do we say, let's wait a couple of months. You need to complete getting the business started, getting everything up and running, and you're not yet in the public domain yet, you haven't yet started selling your good or service, then sometimes we advise that let's hold off on a trademark. And when you meet certain criteria, then let's go ahead and file it. So it is a case-by-case basis on what's best. It really depends on what that company is needing after we talk to them. Hmm. Hmm. Those are really some really good points there. I want to pivot and ask about the flip side. What if for some silly reason you found yourself copying some things that you thought you got from yourself, but really you, you're inadvertently using from somebody else's? Like, obviously, if someone sends you a cease and desist, you, you, know, you don't use the material. But what can you do um, from the flip side if somebody comes to you and say, hey, you're using my stuff and you really do believe that you're you're your creative work was original. You would, you would want to talk to an attorney and then you would want to, what we would do is we would look and see when did you put your material in the domain or your trademark? When was, when did you author it and where was it exposed? And when did this person author theirs or trademark, you know, sometimes there's, they haven't trademarked, but it's a common law issue that they said they've been using it. So we would start doing investigations and we would getting we would get information like when did it go public? When did yours go public? What is the audience? What is the the service and the goods that is being worked with? And then once you start to gather that information, you can get a clear picture. And sometimes it's as simple as sending a letter back. Sometimes it can be more complex. We had a case going on regarding um songwriters. So who owned the copyright to a song? Um So it is going to depend on some research. And once you get that information, then you can proceed forward. And sometimes you are in the wrong, in which case we will go ahead and correct that. But sometimes you're not. And we can send the same type of cease and desist letters as well to to the other party because they've infringed your rights. Hmm. This is a really good public service announcement to say that Please, wherever, whatever stage of business that you're in, you need to document. 
need, especially for those creatives. Um, when I say creatives, I'm not just talking about uh, photographers. I'm talking about anyone um, who create content creators or someone who just has a lot of digital footprints out there. Um, start writing down like what you're doing, maybe where you were kind of researching. Because I think oftentimes we get so busy in creating content, we forget where the heck like some of our ideas came from. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of businesses or small businesses, we do or they do, let's create that that digital download. And you you have a landing page and you have the download. That is still material you want to copyright because you don't want somebody else taking that download you created, that freebie, that handout, and claiming it as their own. So it is good to make sure that you do have those copyrights on there because you want to own and let everybody know this is my work Um, because people, we do it all the time. I do it. I know you've done it. Yeah. I want that free digital download. I'm going to give you my email address, but that's, that person doesn't want their work to be copied by somebody else. They don't want me to take it, copy it, and then claim it as my own. So it is good public service announcement to make sure that you you do note that on your documents because you want to protect everything that you've put a lot of time and energy and thought into. And I just, this is a no-brainer, Megan, but I just have to say this too. Changing your name at the bottom and changing a couple of words is not unique. (laughs) No, it is not. That is not unique. You would need to completely change the. You do not want to ever just copy and paste someone's document and then just put your name on the bottom. That you would not be able to get away with at all. You do not want to do that. I, I've seen some ridiculous things. And um, <laughs> as a business coach, I'm like, wait a minute. I think I've read this somewhere else. And it literally just copied like a paragraph and then boom, it showed up somewhere else on a website. Exactly. You can always copy something, throw it into Google and see if it has been copied before or written before. And don't take that paragraph and change one or two words again, because you still copied the original content. (laughs) So definitely, we definitely don't want to do that. It's the same with privacy. Um, That's the other area I wanted to make sure that we talked about was the privacy policies on our, on our startup businesses. I see it a lot with the the young business. They just get their webpage up and running, but they do not have that privacy policy at the bottom. And that privacy policy says what you do with the information that your customers, clients give you. So same thing, digital download, you create a digital download, you have to email, put your email address in to access the download. Well, now you have my personal information. You need to have the privacy policy at the bottom of, of your page to inform the users what you will do with their privacy information, with their, um, with their personal information. So their name, their email address, there's a, it's a long encompassed list of what personal information is, but it's required to have that privacy policy. And there are a lot of startups that don't have that because they didn't know mm. that it was required to have. Mm. Yeah. And there's a really good point that you made that uh, privacy policies are not just good for opt-ins to get that free ebook. It should be on your website, it should be anywhere, anywhere um, people can land and, and you can collect their information. 
Yes, and the European Union has a privacy policy. It's called the GDPR, which is the General Data Protection Regulation, and they have a very strict, I would say, policy for what personal information is and what the consumer can have erased or protected. They can ask the business to delete my information, to not use this information. And that regulation applies to 92% of American businesses. If you have any business that's web-based only, you can expect that somebody from the EU is going to be, perchance, finding your page. And if you are doing digital courses and you're selling, people from all over the world can purchase those. So you want to make sure that your privacy policy meets the GDPR regulations because they do look to make sure that consumers are compliant or websites are compliant with that. So best practices, when you have your privacy policy, make sure it's GDPR compliant because you never know where your customer base can come from, especially in digital courses. Hmm. Very good point. And for those who are completely ignorant GDPR compliance, like where, what resources online can they go to kind of get a good information of like the language they need to insert it into their privacy policy, for example? There are a lot, well, a lot of the small attorneys, we will write the privacy policies for, for businesses that make it GDPR compliant. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of attorney services out there. If somebody wanted, I mean, there are people who use LegalZoom. There's a couple other companies out there as well. They might be the basis. If you need a more defined, then you hire, you know, I can do it. There's other firms that could do it as well. But you can Google GDPR and it'll tell you what, what the consumer's privacy what they are entitled to privacy on and how you need to make sure your data is stored, how you need to make sure you address any type of data breach. And they can read about that to get more information on what the regulation for that is to make sure that their privacy policy is compliant. Now, this is something I know we didn't talk about this earlier. So this is going to be a surprise topic. (laughs) And I want to talk about buying email addresses. Okay. Yes. Yes. Uh, And the rush to um, get as many digital downloads. um, A lot of newbie business owners, content creators um, have been lured to advertisements that say, hey, buy our email list for like $500, like, or whatever. But not all those email addresses were given, were provided with consent. Mm -hmm. So my question is, is there kind of any way that if you're buying off email addresses or buying kind of information from somebody else, what may, what things should people look out to say, okay, this is legit. Um, they didn't scam it off anybody else. And I have the right to use it. That is a good question. And I actually would need to do a little bit more research on that one. Sorry um, about that. <laughs> no, you are fine. That is not something I've come across too often. So I don't want to say anything and then, and then lead everybody astray. But what I'm going to do is look that up and then get back to you so you can put that back out. So we're, but, gonna, yeah. 
Yeah, because I don't. I want to give you an answer, but I don't want to give you the incorrect answer. So I am going to research it and then email you so you can do a note to this to so we have an answer because that is a good question. Or we can do a part two of this. <laughs> yeah, that works too. Because <laughs> I, um, the reason why I mentioned that Megan um, earlier was that just because you don't know doesn't mean that you're not liable. Exactly. Yeah. Not knowing is never a defense. Correct. Correct. So you cannot say, well, I did not know, and that will never hold up in a court. So that is not a defense. You do have to do, have some due diligence and do some research, and that is true. And that's where some of these privacy policies are important because I've done it. I can admit to this. I go to a new website. It has the pop-up across the bottom has the privacy policy and the terms and agreements. I don't often read it. I just click it, which is what a lot of us do. If I was to read that, it would tell me what they are doing with my data. They may be, they may be selling it because there are companies that sell data. They may be tracking it. They may be using cookies. If you were to read that, you would know what they were doing. But I, too, admit I don't often take the time and I'm a lawyer. I click and I move on. Especially if I know it's a website, let's just say like it's a common website that I, I visit and I am, you know, purchasing clothes or something. I tend to not often read it, but we should probably, because it's the same thing. Not knowing is not, it's not a defense. It's not going to get us out of trouble. Hmm. Well, you know, I'll just say, I mean, even though we both don't know the answer to the question, we'll say, hey, look, it's just not a good idea to just rip off email addresses from God knows where. No, no, it is not a good idea to to use them for people's data without their consent and knowledge. No. Hmm. Well, is there kind of anything else like red hot things that you feel like in terms of legal protection that a small business owner has to know? Yes, if you are a small business owner slash influencer slash blogger, because a lot of our entrepreneurs are influencers and bloggers, if you are receiving products or payment to promote a product in return that you will do Insta stories, Instagram posts, blog posts, Facebook posts, in exchange for payment or in exchange for those goods, you have to let your consumer know that this is an ad, a sponsored content, a paid content, because the FTC does regulate this and they do pay attention. You cannot take money or product for value and not disclose that you are not either an affiliate or a sponsored, or that this was done as advertising. It needs to be very clear and very conspicuous. If you're doing it in an Instagram post, do not bury it in 30 hashtags. It cannot be in the middle <laughs> where it's like hashtag ad and nobody sees it. It needs to be at the top or at the bottom of your post, very clear. If you're in an Insta story, you cannot just speak it. You also need to make sure there's a hashtag or a note in the story because you can't assume everybody is reading. You need to assume or listening. You need to assume some people will be reading. So you want to, you want to make sure that 
the small business entrepreneurs, influencers, bloggers know to make sure that they are compliant because the FTC is watching. And we don't want to lead our consumers astray, and we don't want to make consumers believe that you really are you are promoting this product for your own free will when you're actually getting paid for it. Yep. So we want to make sure if any of our small businesses are doing that, that the FTC is a great handout on social media influencers and blogging that will lay out exactly what they need to know about how to promote their paid content and affiliate marketing. So they can just go to the FTC and there's a great handout that they can follow to make sure that they're still compliant. Mm. Thanks for letting people know that that it's already on the the FTC's website and it's not hidden. Um, They want to help you. No, it's not hidden. Yes, they do want to help you. Mm. I definitely, definitely, we have to do part two of this because I think, definitely think that there's a lot of information that small business owners need to know to protect themselves um, and protect their property, um, intellectual property. But in the meanwhile, Megan, where can we find you and learn more about um, your practice and just anything else? Um, closing thoughts before we uh, wrap this up. Yeah, you can find us. Our website is Parlatory Law Group. Dot com and that's p a r a l o t r e lawgroup.com and my name will be up there you can reach me at megan.frank@parlatorylawgroup.com and i respond to emails really quickly um my instagram is a work in art so it's actually not up right now but as soon as it's up i'll let you know Well, thank you so much again, Megan, for your time. And I really feel like there's a lot of information that we shared. So for those of you who are listening and just new to just business in general, please listen to this episode again, because it might protect you from thousands of dollars in the future. Yes. And I look forward to chatting with you. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, likewise. Well, thank you. And until next time. Well, that is it. Thank you so much for taking the time to listening to this episode. If you have any other questions or concerns, please don't hesitate to shoot me a message at hello at denisegelee.com. Send me a tweet at denisegelee. And wherever you are in business, just know that you're not alone. I am here to help you. My guest was here to help you don't feel like you have to be alone. So reach out to one of us, both of us. We're both happy to help. And until next time, take care and be awesome.